Support for Akron Adventures comes from Philip Anderson Music. A musician, producer, teacher, and performer, Philip Anderson has been sharing his musical artistry for over a decade, from relaxed solo sessions to dynamic collaborative projects. If you're looking for original music, a skilled accompanist, virtual piano lessons, or upcoming gigs, visit philipandersonmusic.com to learn more. Stick around until the end of this episode for a sneak preview of Episode 4. Snow Day Productions presents Bones in the Dark, Episode 3. Reggie sat at the dining room table with Lisa, her brother Malcolm, and their parents. She was staring at a painting on the wall behind Malcolm, lost in it for a moment. It was a scene from a children's book that her mother and father had read to her when she was younger. A small child in a bright red snowsuit was staring in amazement at a giant pile of fluffy snow. Snowy day, she thought to herself. That was the book. It had been one of her favorites. The little boy and his family looked a lot like hers, and the story, like Lisa's house, always felt very familiar to her. Tonight, though, all she could think about when she looked at the snowy scene in the painting was getting caught at the park at night with shovels in hand by Henry's parents. They'd stood in shock as Henry's father, scowling, spoke to them. Since Henry has refused to tell us what this is all about, perhaps you girls would care to explain. Lisa and Reggie had looked at each other, their minds racing, but coming up with nothing. It's a time capsule, said Maya loudly. We're burying it. Reggie almost laughed at the look on Henry's face. Thankfully, both his parents were looking at Maya and not at their son, or they wouldn't have believed this ridiculous lie for a second. A time capsule? asked Mr. Pennington. What for? Maya shrugged. Well, it's kind of cool, don't you think? We each wrote a note about what we think we'll be like in ten years, and we were going to bury them in Tupperware and dig them back up in ten years to see if we were right. I see, Mr. Pennington began, but Mrs. Pennington interrupted him. Where's the Tupperware? she asked suspiciously, looking at the girls who clearly had nothing but shovels in their hands. Henry was supposed to bring it, Reggie said quickly. I didn't have a chance, Henry said, turning to his mother. Dad caught me getting the shovel first. Mr. Pennington looked hard at each of them, waiting for them to crack. But they looked back at him, eyes wide, and said nothing. Fine, he finally said. It's cold out here. Get in the car, girls. I'm dropping each of you off. You're lucky I don't call your parents. Henry, no Xbox for a week. They had all trudged silently to the Pennington's car, while Mrs. Pennington muttered something about her Tupperware. Reggie, the peas, Malcolm half shouted, disrupting her memory. Sorry. Reggie passed Malcolm the peas and refocused. She stayed for dinner at Lisa's from time to time, but tonight they had a specific mission. Getting caught the night before had forced them to come up with a different plan. She elbowed Lisa, who was sitting to her right. Okay, Lisa's shout whispered to Reggie. Mom, do you ever get skeletons for the museum? Well, the museum I work at is an art museum, Lise. We don't usually have dinosaur skeletons or anything of that sort. Bummer, Malcolm interjected, and Lisa made a face at him. You might be thinking of the Museum of Natural History, her other mom interjected. Oh, okay, said Lisa. She looked at Reggie with shrugged shoulders, as if that was the end of it, but Reggie ignored her and pressed on. Miss Crawford, if the museum did have skeletons and bones and things like that, how would they get them? A place like the Natural History Museum would likely work with archaeologists who specialize in different areas of human and natural history. 
They would be responsible for those types of exhibits. Oh, Reggie said, slightly deflated. Any museum like that was very far away, and they needed answers now. But you know, Ms. Wynn chimed in again from the other side of the table, there might be some archaeologists at the university who know all about skeletons. Maybe even dinosaur ones, she added in that excited parent voice. The university, Reggie asked? That sounded promising. Yeah, there's a whole archaeology department there. Malcolm, that's enough peas. And stop teasing the dog. Malcolm started talking about something that happened at school, but Reggie wasn't listening. She was already mapping out their trip downtown to the university and deciding how to get her friends on board. She grabbed the bowl of peas, which were swimming in butter, and scooped up the few Malcolm had left, thinking about how to make her most persuasive case to the others. It's not just about getting in trouble, again, Henry argued. Lisa and Reggie sat on Lisa's bed after dinner, Henry's voice coming through the phone that laid between them. You're talking about going downtown, to the university, and talking to some professor. I doubt she even talked to us. Sixth graders? No way. We don't know that until we try, said Reggie, and Lisa swatted her hand away from the speaker for the third time. Stop muffling it, she tried to whisper, so as not to confuse Henry and Maya on the other end. My parents won't like it. You know I have chorus practice every day. Plus, I've never ridden the express bus downtown, he said. I'll have to lie again, he added, dreading the thought of what his parents would say after they'd just caught him sneaking out of the house at night. A loud clank came through the speaker then. Maya, please do not attempt handstands during our planned phone calls, said Reggie. Sorry, Maya said quickly. Look, I've never ridden the downtown express either, Lisa said, and Reggie was worried that she was going to back Henry's fears. But my parents would probably approve. She didn't sound happy about it and rolled her eyes at Reggie's knowing grin. Maya chimed in for the first time. She and Reggie had both ridden the bus a million times, and it was no big deal. Reggie and I will show you, she said. It's not rocket science, Henry. Yeah, it'll be easy, Reggie said. The next afternoon, Henry hurried to meet the others at the corner of Archer and Tremont Streets near their school. I told Ben to tell Mr. Tomasino I wasn't feeling well and that my mom came to pick me up. And I told my mom that Ben's mom would give me a ride home from Chorus. If anybody talks to anybody else, I'm dead, he said, glancing over his shoulder as if his mom, his music teacher, and Ben were all standing right there. Reggie laid her hand on his shoulder. We're doing a good thing. If you get in trouble, you can explain, and maybe it'll make a difference. Uh, hello, you've met my parents, Henry mumbled. With Maya in the lead, they walked two blocks down Tremont to the bus stop and caught the downtown express. Reggie showed them how to put coins in the box next to the driver, and they filed down the aisle and sat together across one row, the aisle splitting them into twos. The bus was about half full, a couple of moms with babies, a bunch of old people with gray hair and nearly identical canes, a woman wearing high heels and a suit was texting furiously, and two young men with earbuds and backpacks held hands. After about 15 minutes, the bus dropped them at the arch that marked the main entrance of the university, and it was huge. The night before, Lisa had Googled the location of the archaeology department and printed a map of the campus, so when they got off the bus, she led the way. Unlike the newer buildings with big glass windows and clean steel exteriors that decorated most of the campus, Flint Hall was a gray, uninviting, concrete behemoth. Its windows were narrow and vertical, like slits for shooting arrows at invaders from a medieval fortress. 
Water stains from years of rain, sleet, and snow made dark marks like fingers running down the putty-colored walls. They walked in a tight little knot through the double glass doors, having unknowingly drawn closer together as they'd approached the building. They saw an elevator immediately to their left. Archaeology's on too, said Lisa, looking up from her map. As they rode the elevator up, Maya barely had time to say, I'll do the talking, before the bell dinged and the doors began to open on their floor. They stopped at the reception desk, where a young man sat. He looked at them, eyebrows raised. Can I help you? Maya stepped forward. We'd like to talk to an archaeologist. His smile widened. Well, you're in the right place. We have several of them here. Do you know who you're looking for, and if they have office hours right now? Maya looked at Reggie for help. We want the one who knows about dead people, you know, buried ones. How to figure out who they are, who they were, I mean. The young man was clearly surprised. Okay, is this for a class project or something? Yes, said Henry. It's for a report, Lisa added. This smoothed out the man's face. I think you'll want Dr. Elena Graves in Office 226, down the hall and to your left. She's been on many international digs, including ones with dead bodies, he added, trying for a sepulcher whisper. Reggie, Lisa, Maya, and Henry merely looked at him for a moment. Finally, Reggie said thanks, and they were off to talk to Dr. Graves. Could that really be her name, Henry asked, attempting to whisper, but they all shushed him in unison. Dr. Graves' office was easy to find, but not so easy to enter. They stood outside her door, and they stood some more. Finally, Henry nudged Maya, trying to move her toward the door, which was almost closed, but not quite. Maya turned and glared at him. You go, Maya mouthed to Lisa who shook her head vehemently and stepped behind Henry, gently pushing on his back to move him closer to the door. Cut it out, hissed Henry, trying to keep his balance and not take a step forward. Reggie should go, said Maya, and Henry and Lisa nodded in agreement. I don't care who goes, but either come in right now or go away, said a woman's low voice from inside the office. Reggie frowned at all of them, then turned and stepped into the office as she pushed the door open all the way. The others followed right on her heels. Dr. Graves sat at her desk with a reading light shining directly on a stack of papers. She continued to write for what felt like forever, without looking up, as Reggie, Lisa, Maya, and Henry stood awkwardly in front of her desk. Finally, she clicked her pen, laid it carefully on the papers, and leaned back in her chair, which squeaked in protest. Yes, she asked, eyebrows arched high above the glasses that sat low on her nose. Henry elbowed Reggie, which made her jump. Um, hi, we wanted to ask you some stuff, archaeology stuff. Dr. Graves took off her glasses. I take it you're not students. It wasn't a question. No, ma'am, we're not, said Henry. We're... Yes, we are, Maya hissed, interrupting him. I mean, we are, but we're in the sixth grade, not in college, he quickly amended. And what kind of archaeology stuff are you interested in? Dr. Graves looked at her watch as she said this. I have about two minutes, so perhaps you could get to the point? We're interested in a body that's buried in Taylor Park. We're not buried... We don't really know. Maybe it was a murder. Either way, it's a mystery. Our mystery. We're going to solve it, Reggie said. Dr. Graves frowned. Hmm, Taylor Park. It sounds familiar. Why come to me about it? It's not my area. The digs I work on are on the other side of the world. We found a human bone, Lisa blurted out. Dr. Graves put her glasses back on. In the park? Yes, ma'am, said Henry. Did you tell the police? Well, no, Maya said. You should, Dr. Graves said firmly. Told you, said Henry. We were hoping you might be interested in helping us. We'd like to, well, we're not sure, but we want to find out who the bone belonged to. I mean, 
who was buried there, if someone was buried there. You know, a name at least. Whoever it was lived here, just like us, and nobody remembers them, said Lisa. Can we dig up the spot at the park, Maya asked. You know, see if there are more bones, and with forensics and stuff, put the bones back together and identify the person? Your computers can do that, right? We'll be able to see what the dead person looked like? Dr. Graves smiled. Ah, TV. She took her glasses off again and clasped her hands together on her desk, leaning forward just enough that the reading light on her desk shone on the lower half of her face and the gray-streaked hair that swung close to her cheek. I appreciate your interest in digging up what's buried so we can understand the past, but I'm afraid I can't help you. It is a slow and complex process to be allowed to dig things up, especially bodies. My work involves dead people and how they lived thousands of years ago in faraway places, not here in Akron, so I couldn't help you anyway. And this isn't private land where you could petition the owner. This is a public park, owned and operated by the city. That adds another layer of difficulty. I'm very sorry. They stood, crushed and silent in front of her desk. Shoo now, said Dr. Graves, making sweeping motions with her hands. I've got work to do, and close the door on your way out, please. And so they found themselves outside Flynn Hall, standing near some benches while students rushed by. The harried look of final exam week stamped on their faces. Well, that's it, I guess, said Lisa. We tried, Henry pointed out. She's not the only archaeologist, though, right? asked Maya. Maybe we should try another one. Reggie was silent, thinking. We're not going back in there, said Lisa. I need to get home anyway. But we agreed, said Maya angrily. We agreed to try, and we agreed it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and we did try, said Henry. What are you so mad about? I am mad. I'm mad at you and us for giving up so soon. I'm mad at Dr. Graves, aren't you? she asked, turning to Reggie. Yeah, I'm mad, Reggie said, her voice low and quiet. I'm mad that we found the expert, and the expert can't help us, and I... Reggie stood as if struck, suddenly frozen, her eyes gone wide, mouth still open in mid-sentence. The others stared at her, confused. What? asked Maya. Are you having a stroke or something? Reggie snapped her mouth shut, and then a huge grin split across her face. We're not done, not even close. What are you talking about, Reggie? asked Lisa. I am done. Well, that's your business if you want to be a quitter, Reggie shot back. Lisa recoiled, insulted, but Henry was unfazed. You heard Dr. Graves. There's nothing we can do, Henry said. His mind had already turned to whether or not his mom and music teacher would discover his double lie. Reggie turned and started to walk back toward the bus stop. She turned her head slightly and called over her shoulder. There is something we can do, and I'll do it by myself if I have to. Akron Adventures is written and produced by Marlia Weiss, Julie Drew, and Casey Shevlin. Our theme music is written and recorded by Philip Anderson. You can hear more from him at philipandersonmusic.com. Support for Bones in the Dark comes from Chill Artisan Ice Cream. Don't forget to subscribe to the Akron Adventures podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Episodes every Tuesday. Next time on Bones in the Dark. It turned out Joe Parsons was, in fact, as old and cranky as his reputation suggested. When Reggie and Henry arrived at his house, he was dressed in gold-trimmed black pajamas, which emphasized his deathly white skin and long gray beard, and he walked with a cane that was carved in whorls and lines like the bark of an ancient tree trunk.
I hope you're better at selling cookies than you are at delivering papers, he said in a low, raspy voice as Reggie and Henry settled on a little sofa across the coffee table from him in the first room to the right of the entranceway. Reggie answered for Henry. We're actually not selling any cookies, Mr. Parsons. We're here to ask you about Taylor Park, about something that might have happened there, something bad, maybe. Joe Parsons seemed to straighten up in his chair, but he didn't say anything for a moment. His watery old eyes seemed sharper somehow as he looked at Reggie. He finally spoke, leaning toward them as if sharing a secret. That's the thing. It wasn't always a park, you know. 